Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Teacher Talk, a podcast for like-minded educators and those interested in education. Today, I'm joined by Abigail, and Abigail is a director of theatre and film and a trainee drama therapist. Her work as a theatre and film director engages with themes of race, gender, class and sexuality, championing untold narratives from historically excluded voices. Abigail's direction has featured on BBC Two, BBC Four, London Short Film Festival and the stages of theatre such as Harold Pinter, Royal Court and Young Vic. Oh, one of my favourite theatres. In 2020, Abigail co-founded Uproot, a socially driven production company. Uproot is shifting culture and creating community through art. Their latest project, Black Girl Blues, is a 10-week online art-centered well-being program for black girls in year nine across the UK. The program is fun, engaging and supportive and offers participants new art skills and tools to support their well-being. Abigail, welcome. Thank you so much for um, coming on Teacher Talk to um, share your voice and everything that you've done. There's so much. This bio is (laughs) amazing. It's fantastic. Um, So thank you for um, coming. I just want to... Thank you for having me. Uh, there's so much to get into, but I really want to ask you what for you, um, like how did you get into being a creative and then why did mm. you choose to go down that um, route of directing? Mm. It feels like it's been a process of trial and error for me to get into the arts. Um, so I went to uni at 18, just like not knowing what I wanted to do but knowing like I loved English literature so that's what I studied um which I think for me was probably the most academic creative thing I could find um and then I graduated still not really knowing what I wanted to do but then I got into advertising um and I found that I absolutely loved the storytelling the like connecting to audiences um but I didn't love the corporate side of things. I didn't love the sales. I didn't love, um, I don't want to say the manipulation because like all of it, like even documentaries, you know, it's still manipulation in a way, isn't it? It's, you know, you've always got some sort of agenda with your art, but I wanted to feel, I think to be honest, throughout the way I've been pushing 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 like incrementally for more and more meaning and intention so I moved from advertising I left my job um just quit like not knowing what I wanted to do but knowing that I wanted to try everything so I tried acting theatre directing film directing radio um photography I just really immersed myself in all the things that I knew I wanted to do but really had never thought were for me because I just knew that I needed to find fulfillment in my work because chasing money wasn't really what um, motivated me. Um, And I think just like organically directing came to fruition because it is a craft that really plays on all of my skills, 
of having a creative vision, but also wanting to be part of like the entire process mm-hmm. um, and also working well with people because um, a lot of it is leadership and a lot of it is like, it's still actually selling your ideas, but mm-hmm. like getting a creative partner or collaborator to be on board. Um, and yeah, I guess that, that now I'm here now it's a thing. No, it's amazing because, even um, I've seen your work when you worked with Spice Collective yes. as well. Many, it feels like it was not that long ago, but it actually, when I look at the dates of their first show, it was um, a while ago. And I remember just sat there being mm. so inspired because we've not seen um, a lot of work where it's just been um, black women and just like untold stories, not necessarily mm. like about the different types of things that we experience as black women, because I still feel like as black women, our experience is so, are so individual. And that's what I liked about um, that show that I watched by Spice Collective, that it was all those, um, our own different stories, that there was at least one story um, that everyone could relate to, even if you weren't um, black. And I feel like that's where mm. now there's more space being created and platforms for us to be able to tell our stories and share our experiences. And I think that's why it's so important that we have directors like you who kind of want to push um, those themes of like sexuality and all those different other themes and make um, space and platforms Mm. for them, definitely. Yeah, I think that often, and it is definitely starting to change now, as you say, but often when... Black people are represented in the media. Um, It is through the lens of our oppression. Mm. And of course, these things are like valid and they're important stories and they do exist. But really, it's not our everyday. Like, what about the mundane? Like, what about when I wake up and make a cup of coffee? What about, you know, when I wake up and I yawn and I stretch over to reach my partner and I just share that moment of of intimacy what about all of these things that are part of our experiences that we don't see and we talk a lot about how I say we I talk a lot about and I hear a lot of conversations about representation and why it's important um but it really does tell you who you are before you learn to articulate it for yourself and just seeing yourself like represented on screen as something that you aspire to be or a version of yourself that society doesn't necessarily like treat you like you could be because you you're like because of stereotypes you feel like you're often being boxed in a certain way that is so enriching and empowering um but I actually think that it can also work the other way I think right now we're having a lot of conversations about black joy Yes, (laughs) and it's like now it's like no one wants to talk about trauma we just want to like bury our head in the sand and just have joy but actually I do think there's balance somewhere Um, and I'm really interested in like my own work as a drama therapist exploring what it means to you like be present with your trauma to access your joy it's it's you know it's a holistic approach Definitely. I was going to ask, because I was even just, when you said about, um, like, how it we're sometimes not even shown as black people, where you're, like you said, doing those everyday 
Charles, like making a cup of coffee. Like it's, we're not, mm. um, that's representation, I think is starting, but not yet as apparent as it needs to be. And I don't know if you saw, um, I was watching it here on Channel 4 when they did the um, Black History Month takeover. Mm. And it was literally like, I remember my messaging me like, man, even the adverts, just like a Sainsbury's advert, a advert about us buying a lawnmower and all these things are just on TV. Mm. Like us doing everyday things. And that's why I really even like that show, um, The High Life and a lot of other things. Mm. When they're just, we're just being seen as not like that normality of mm. a normal life. And I remember years ago, there was a show with Adrian Lester and Sophie Okinendo called Undercover. And they were, um, you know, an average black family just living in London, um, like overall like, as their storyline. But I remember like people were going crazy in the news because they're like, oh my God, like, a black family, they're showing here just eating pasta mm. at the table on a weekday night. Like that, um, just those everyday stories. But I definitely think there's been this whole opposite where it's like black joy, black joy, black joy. Mm. Um, but then I think you've got more people um, being open about going um, into therapy. Now, what encouraged you like to want to go in down the route of drama therapy? Mm. Um, I think that even before deciding to train as a drama therapist, I have personally found art to be therapeutic. And I found just having this opportunity to express myself is such an outlet, to connect with people, to play, to explore. All of these things have been part of and integral to my healing process. Um, And to be honest, I think as someone who like is reaching adulthood, has reached adulthood, let me not lie. (laughs) Been in adulthood. (laughs) Someone who's reached adulthood. And I think a lot of things from my childhood, I can feel catching up to me. Mm. Um, And I can feel that actually my body is speaking to me. And even if I did want to just like go and have a superficial life, Mm. my body is not allowing me to because I have chronic pain, which is a result as a somatic manifestation of trauma that I experienced as a child or throughout my life. Mm. And I need to integrate healing into my process to my work to my life holistically so that I can live so that I can be without feeling like anchored to the past I want to be here in the present I want to be free I want to you know and I think like you're right we are talking about therapy a lot more and it's 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 beautiful it's necessary but it is still um taboo for so many of us and I think that Talking therapies require a a degree of like cognitive functioning and uh, self-awareness and a 
a real want and a confidence, I think, to like be able to sit and talk about things like authentically. But you can access those things at a distance through metaphor and play and stories. And that's what really excites me about drama therapy, about the potential to go on this therapeutic journey without you being sat in a space opposite someone. Even like the, the physical dynamic of that is so oppositional. And... I just, I love how like charismatic and playful and, you know, some of the best storytellers that you'll find, you'll just find like on some, any road in Jamaica when you see uncle playing with dominoes and he's telling you this story from Quay. And then it's like, if this is already our language, for me, I really want to lean into that. And I want to bring therapy in a different Mm. form to black communities because um, we've got a lot to unpack. There's so much to unpack. And even like what you said about the like creative outlet of therapy, because I've never tried therapy myself. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something I would love to try, but I don't think I would even, because um, I can very much, you know, now like I've been honest with myself about um, things and things that I know that helps me heal and makes me feel mentally better like I know that if I'm getting my exercise eating well mm. properly, like meditating so I've got my tools but even just that creative therapy where sometimes you don't even know what you want to talk about and I think mm. you do actually like you're right you have to have that kind of confidence to be able to speak authentically but some I'm very much a visual person mm. I'm a visual learner even the way I teach is very visual and even for me I remember growing up if I'd had a stressful day at school I would just go and play my flute for hours Mm. and I'd feel so much better even sometimes as a teacher like if I ever get five minutes I'm just like right let me just play my flute for a bit or even once Mm. they end I stay behind I just play for a while and my head actually feels so much clearer Um, like the art has so I feel like society um, has almost kind of forgotten this, but kind of known it, I think, with, like, through the pandemic, like, that impact of the arts. But the arts has so much, um, like, mental benefits. Because I remember sometimes if I've seen some theatre or I've listened to a story or even just, like, read a story myself, and I'm like, oh, wait, that speaks to me, like, this mm. part there, like that's given me a life lesson, or actually that's given me a different way to handle a situation, and well, that's made me think about something in a different way. I think there's um, so much um, benefit um, through like drama therapy, but even like creative play. Mm. I think there's quite a few schools. Um, I know there, I know of some schools at home, like in London, anyway, that have invested in um, drama therapy before, like for um, challenging students. But I would love for that to be in like all schools. Mm. Like music um, and drama therapy. I remember when I did my teacher training in a special needs school and the music lessons were actually like drama therapy, Mm. um, music therapy heavy as well, like for the students, like soft play, like, um music like just actual music sounds and like yep. using those like frequencies 
as well like it's just it's amazing there's there's so many layers to it and and like as I'm on this journey of training I'm like continuously blown away by like it feels like it feels really personal and it actually is really personal because it's an experiential course so as I'm learning I'm going through my own therapeutic journey but it almost feels like a like disservice and like a betrayal to not have been taught this earlier and for this to not have been prioritized like and and it makes me question because we were saying about the arts you know it really feels like the arts is it faces so much at least in the UK because you know I think it's really important to be location specific when you're talking about these things because when you go to other countries it's not the same Mm. in the UK there's so much there's in fact there's such a lack of support for the arts in the schools and beyond and it's actually really difficult to survive as an artist um and it just makes me question because I do think we objectively know the benefits of of art and it makes me wonder the decision makers the people who decide the curriculum what are they prioritizing do they care about our mental health or is this a capitalist framework that wants us to be output focused because you know some of the things I'm learning like we're talking about like um your when you were speaking about yourself and um playing the flute you were referencing your body and your mind and all of these things the body is so like the way we learn about the body is so superficial Because so much of our mental health, like we think about the mind as the brain and all of this is up here in the brain. And we think of the body as like, you know, we talk about mental and physical health, right? But how about mental health is physical health? Mm. How about they just are the same thing? And how about when I experience like trauma or fear, I constrict in my heart or I feel, I feel churning in my stomach, my fists clench, my shoulders hunch. So sweat, all of it, it is physical. And there's too much of a distinction between Mm -hmm. these spheres. And I I don't know, it just makes me wonder, like even at like a, a very basic CBT framework of being able to like, understand how to look at your thoughts your behaviors and your actions and how they all play and feed each other and how you can gain control if that was just taught in school yeah how empowering that would be how transformative that would be for young people exactly um it's deep you know the thing is it's even like some of the things you're saying like with the uk but also even like kind of me being abroad and being with, um, I feel like the relationships we have as performing arts teachers, Mm. uh, not just in, well, like from the UK, but um, I'm in a few Facebook groups for drama teachers and and music teachers. And we kind of all have those same frustrations. Like why Mm. aren't we taken seriously? Not actually necessarily by the students, but like the management, why aren't we taken Mm. seriously? Why can't they see these um, mental benefits of the arts but all just general benefits but and you know why aren't they understanding that you can't just have one music teacher in a whole school that you mm. can't have music once a fortnight and mm. things and then it kind of relates it's almost like that corporate um 
culture is pushed and in very much early on in school and then manifests its way up to adulthood where we're very much like, right, let me go into a career like this, let me do this. Um, and like losing that creativity, I think that the benefits of the arts are known. But it's very much for me, even growing up, seeing it myself, um, the people who do the arts and have access to high quality, for example, like piano lessons, violin mm. lessons, um, comparison to, you know, like people like me who've gone to like inner city schools and had like my lessons there, um, they know the benefits of how playing an instrument, not necessarily like that, um, the mental and physical benefits, but they know what it looks like on a scene. They know that the um, benefits being of being a well-rounded person is like mm. going to a drama club, doing tennis, going swimming, or they know what all those extracurricular activities, how it can benefit them in the future and the access it gives them. Um, so even when I, like throughout all my years going to like music competitions, I would, would meet a lot of private school children who were just like, yeah, this is like just an everyday thing for them. They've got this one day, another mm. day. Um, that kind of takes me on though to your, um, you started Uproots where you co-founded it. Um, what was kind of your, um, what inspired you to create Uproot and then also lead on to um, Black Girl Blues as well? Mm. I think most of the things that I do <laughs> are birthed out of frustration. <laughs> I think it's like being in the industry and being like, hold on, this is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> and um, wanting to make change. And I think... I think I saw that you can make an impact as an artist, but there's also this impact that you make as someone who influences structure, policies, industry. And it, it's not to say one is more or less important, but I just wanted a hand in that as well. Yeah. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to, create not just art but create programs create opportunities create projects um and level the playing field frankly so um uproot is here to support artists and our work has three strands so it's artistic creation artistic training and then also outreach and community work which is where black girl blues falls um and essentially it's seeing you know art is this really powerful thing and we spoke a bit about, you know, representation and the, the, the need to create stories that are coming from us and presented by us. Mm. So that was what kind of fueled the creation aspect. And then we think about the artists who have the opportunity to make these stories. Well, the arts are really inaccessible because of rates of pay within the theatre industry, because of the frameworks that require you to spend this unpaid time applying for funding to then get funding that you have to spend on a specific project. And then you actually have to know the specific languages to use to get the funding. Um, so 
how can we empower artists and look at the inequalities that black artists are experiencing and support them so that, you know, we might be making some stories or we might just be equipping some artists to make some stories themselves. Um, and Black Girl Blues really stems from all of the things that I've um, spoken about around the importance and necessity um, of drama in creating change and the arts broadly in creating change on a personal level and a community level for people. So um, we knew we wanted to work with Black Girls in Year 9 because Year 9 feels like this real pivotal year of potential. You know, you're a teenager now. You're definitely not in primary school anymore. Um, And you're starting to have these real older influences. And I remember when I was in school, for everyone where it went wrong, it went wrong in year nine. Yeah, I was literally going to say that. Mm. I feel like even as a teacher, I was almost, I was smiling just because, um, like, obviously like being a teacher myself and people are like, it's kind of that stereotype of, oh, I've got year nine now. Like, mm. they're like oh, I've got a year nine lesson or it's mm. that year where I think year seven is very much like you're finding your feet, aren't you? Like, you know, you're just kind of learning what high school's about. You're trying to learn your teacher's names. Like, you're, there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still kind of, I find some, quite for quite a lot of the um, academic year, year seven are quite babyish. And it's very much like, you know, getting them used to the new systems. And then year eight, they've found, found their feet. You've got a few of them who are like a little bit cheeky. But then year nine, it's that year where you're actually there. When I think about they're young, but then they've almost they've got then those decisions that are then going to kind of impact them, isn't it? When they go into year ten and year eleven, and then I think that's the thing where you're starting to get to know yourself a lot more. I find when I look at a lot of the students that I've taught, um, year nine is where they actually change a lot more, like physically, mm. even like like their facial features. Um, their voices and things like that. And I think sometimes as well, one thing that happens in the education system is those middle people, because the high, if you're a high achiever, you know, you're almost, you're always going to get pushed to make sure you're achieving highly and getting those top grades. Then if you're at that lower end or you're presenting challenging behavior, there's always going to actually be someone there for you, whether it is them actually to tell you off or provide support where it need be. But then it's those middle um, people. I feel like that's where quite a few of the black girls get lost. Because there's, you know, a lot of them, mm. like from my experience, even myself, where you come to school, you just keep your head down, you get on with it, but you still, you still need support. Like I can't Completely. ever think of when I was at school, like... There was a few teachers, but even just having a, a like a um, a program or um, something. And I remember year nine, I, I struggled quite a lot. I can't, and I could at the time I could never even place my finger on it. And I remember wanting to leave and go to a different school, and I just really struggled. And um, I just didn't know why, but I hated school. And then when I got to year ten and year eleven, I loved it again. But I just year nine, I really struggled. Um, mm. 
I think I did get, I got a student mentor who was like a year 12 student who was then great. That was helpful. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of girls that get lost in that. There's a lot, a lot of gaps. gaps. Yeah, there is. And I think, I, think- um, I can just hear myself echoing. I don't know. Oh, it's gone now. Great. <laughs> um, and there's so much pressure and strain on teachers. Um, oh, so like much. you can't be out here teaching and doing pastoral care yeah. and discipline. It's just there's you can't you know for such a big group of children as well. It's 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 a lot. So when um, I came together with Natasha Brown, um, fabulous collaborator who I work with often. Um, to design the program, we really wanted to think about what that specific need would be and how we can start to fill in the gap. Um, And a lot of it is actually about giving this group the opportunity to form connections with one another as well. When we were first meeting them, every single girl said to us, so do I get to meet the other girls in the program? So like, will they look like me? And that is just such an exciting thing to offer. And really, it feels like they are an age group that they're just real, really bubbling. Mm. Like there's so much bubbling beneath the surface, like a pressure cooker, that the moment you just lift the lid a tiny bit, so much comes spewing out. Yeah. Like already the things that they've shared, disclosed, expressed. Um, and I'm just like, if, if no one asked them this, it would still be there, but they just wouldn't have been asked and they would just be containing it all. Um, So it's really important. And um, our producer, Georgia Dodsworth, um, does lots of work around self-care. So she's been fantastic at just really like being that pastoral care and facilitating um, the delivery of the programme. And we've got some wonderful guests coming in. therapists, drama therapists, CBT therapists, yoga teachers, art therapists, um, to just offer a holistic, and all black women delivering, creating, (laughs) all black women who also are presenting as a role model um, for this group. So it's, it's our first year doing it and we are two weeks in so far. And it just already feels like, oh my God, this needs to exist. This needs to be her. Do you know what I love? um, Even for me, like kind of as an edge, like I said before, I'm like a, I'm very much a visual hands-on creator. Even sometimes like where my frustrations lie a lot in teaching is I just want to act instead of, doing all these annoying, unnecessary admin tasks. I would rather do admin to create a project. To mm. I just finished um, last week doing um, a whole week of Black History Month celebrations Wow! for the whole school. Um, and that's on top of your job, right? This is extra stuff. On top of um, extra stuff. And it was a student who um, approached me and was like, Miss, like, can we do something? And I said, of course, of course. So, you know, did a lot of planning for it over the half term and I went um and did like a whole pastoral takeover for the week mm. in, um the form time and the students like you know had one because the theme for Black History Month was be proud like proud to be mm. and I like, love that talking about what they're proud of and there was so much that they had to say 
Um, even like when I was speaking to other colleagues about how it went and they were like, these children were saying such amazing things. I was like, when we're even give, when they're given that platform, amazing things can happen. I feel like there's not enough. The thing is, is with the education system, there's all of these things to pack in. Like I don't remember mm. being at school and there was an everyday activity for form time. And this is what mm. we've said over the years. I've worked in a few different schools now and teachers have always shared that frustration, like in form time, like these the 15, 20 minutes of the day, we're supposed to check uniform, um, what? You know, discipline, and but then still notices all of these things. So it's like, when do we actually get to speak to mm. the children? When are we supposed to notice that they're feeling um, certain things? And then how can we then flag it if we're not actually given ample amount of time to just talk? And I, that's why I always used to enjoy when I was teaching in London Fridays, um, PSHE, because it would just mm. open up um, a whole um, loads of conversation. I think that's why I was trying to push that safe space in form where it's like, you know, not laughing at what other people say, what stays in this mm. room, what people say in the room, stay in this room. And it is so important. Like that program, it sounds amazing and just so needed. I would love for it to just go even like now that I'm like international, but it would just, there's so many students who it would impact. And even now where I'm teaching, I'll teach just a few um, black girls, but even when they come up, oh, your hair's really nice. Or, oh, is it so nice to see you? And it's like, you'd know that you're making that difference just by being there. So I can only imagine like how these girls are feeling just being able to speak about certain issues with you all and just being given that safe space. And I think even sometimes it's still, even now as black women ourselves, I find myself um, speaking with other black women that I've made friends with while I'm here about certain things that I've noticed about my black woman experience being mm. out that differed to friends who aren't black um, because it does present itself with different like kind of issues and just everyday things. So I'm like, wait, are you noticing this? Mm. Well, it's, it's just so nice to be able to share that because I feel like there was a point um, recently I was holding a lot of things to myself and getting frustrated about being here, I was like, oh, I'm just getting annoyed. Then I was actually speaking about it with some other friends and things like that. I was able to share how I was feeling and they were feeling similar. I was like, oh, right, actually, okay, good. It's not in my head. I think sometimes we think things are in our heads as mm. black women because <clears throat> we've said on here on this podcast before about the everyday things we experience where we don't, und- we don't even... Um, we kind of underestimate that impact it has on us mentally and physically as well. Like just, the, oh, the way someone said something to me in the staff room today or this tone of this email or just, you know, everyday mm. things. There's so much that we kind of experience and then we then carry it because we're not being able to speak about it or 
we might not think it's important enough to raise or we might not have anyone to raise those issues with. Um, mm. So I feel like these programmes are so important. It's validating, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it's a shame that it should even need validating, but it's so it's so layered and it's so insidious sometimes that it just sharing it with someone makes the world of difference. Exactly. The world of difference. Did you um, feel like, you know, like when you look back at your own education, um, did you feel like anything was missing in supporting black girls? Mm. Um, when I was in school, I had a really difficult home life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my behaviour reflected that, it was just totally missed that there might be a reason why there might be something else going on. Um, and also, actually, um, I'm now like in the process of being referred for um an assessment for ADHD Mm -hmm. um and now like looking at well actually unlearning what I thought ADHD was and learning about how ADHD shows up in girls I feel like it's absolutely flipped my understanding of my own experience on its head because I always just thought oh this is anxiety this is anxiety but actually to, to know that this could maybe be coming from neurodivergence, which has absolutely been missed as a black girl. It's, it, it feels like being robbed of like this, like of being seen, to be honest, it just feels like I wasn't seen. Um, I think, so the main things that I missed out on were really just pastoral care because to be honest, all the other stuff didn't matter. Like, honestly, my times tables, can I write this essay? None of it mattered because I was not okay. Mm. Yeah, I think the impact of pastoral care, and like I said, sometimes with us, like, we're just so dismissed. And I think that's where, Mm. even when I speak to some of my friends, when we just sit and talk, where we're like, one word that always comes up is the word invisible. And Mm. even I think we can still feel like that as adults, as we kind of get more into our adulthood, um, that just like, right, just feel invisible. And where things are, where we just dismiss, and I do know actually it's come out now, where there has been quite a lot, I've seen a few um, black girls, well, black women, now saying that they, they've been found out they've been diagnosed with ADHD or other mm. um, needs. And if they're like, but I'm, I'm now an adult. Like, mm. I've just gone through my whole education, um, educational experience, and nothing has been recognised. And I feel like sometimes we are, well, it's just, it's like in society, isn't it, where we're dismissed so quickly as mm. aggressive as rude, as, um, you know, just all these things where, um, you know, we're just dismissed when actually it could be that there there might be something, but it's just dismissed. Um, And so I find that it's dismissed very abruptly as well. Like you're not even allowed, it's almost like, you know, even when you, there's, it's never even when black women are going to go to the hospital where the pain is Mm. not being, 
um, equally and recognised and then it is just dismissed. It's it's just crazy. I do find mm. it. I just find it crazy. And I, I just always think, when is it going to get better and mm. permanent? Like, when is it perm- going to be permanent? Um, like, when are these changes going to be made permanent? And I just don't know. A book that I'm reading recently, um, at the moment, actually, that touches on some of this that I can't recommend highly enough is called My Grandmother's Hands. Mm. Um, and I read in it that the majority of doctors think that black people's skin is actually thicker, like biologically thicker. And just taking that, it just, if you just look at that in isolation, that explains so much of it because we're not afforded softness. We're not, you know, we're we're seen as uh, strong and all of these things that actually are really unhelpful. Um, so that book explores racialized trauma and how um, trauma actually modifies the DNA and how that's passed on through generations. Um, so, yeah, and that's part of why I feel like, actually, we need to really look at this whole thing, this whole trauma thing. <laughs> if we want to do this joy thing, we need to look at it. We have to. Do you know what? There's just so much um, that needs unpicking, but I feel like that's why it's amazing where you've got, for example, like the women that you have introduced to these young girls who are role models, but also, you know, even with what you're doing yourself, um, where we're, there's kind of more of us where we can like kind of think, well, let me just think about ways that I can implement change. But then we then hope mm-hmm. that there's more, where we're just becoming a stronger community, where um, a strong community, but also in different um, various fields. So where it is, whereby it be drama therapy, music therapy, um, talking therapy, CBT, or even, you know, like doc going into medicine and research um, and creating that community. So, and I feel like sometimes it is a thing where, right, I need a second opinion, but I mm. want an opinion from someone like me. Mm. I just feel like it's really vital. I think so. I think so. And I think, yeah, too much onus is placed on the teacher for all of that because you you can't be everything (laughs) like carer educator discipliner like it's just it's it's too much so no no wonder things are are missed because there's just not enough resource Mm. there's not enough time um and yeah it's a lot it is a lot it's it's been um it's just been a crazy few years just thinking about how the educate. I feel like even while I've been in, I've been teaching for seven years and it has changed. But, you know, even for me, like what I like about being a performing arts teacher is that I can be like, you know, like last week when I put on all those um, performances for Black History Month. So there mm. I'm getting them to recognise that. But through music, through poetry, um, I'm hoping to do something in the in March for International Women's Day and do a whole thing there and do that through drama, do that through um, music. Um, so Abigail, what is next for you? Like what have you got coming up? Um, what are you working on that our listeners can look out for? 
So in December, I'm going to have a play on at Young Vic, um, a short play. I don't think it's actually been announced yet, so I don't know if I'm even supposed to say that, um, <laughs> but it's happening. <laughs> um, and with Uproot, I'm going to be doing a lot of organisational development. So I think we've got all of these like ideas and things in motion, but we need to do some fundraising to empower us to just do more work and to in the process ensure that the team is well resourced because we can't be out here and like being self-sacrificial wanting to support everyone else when we can't actually give to ourselves in the way that we need so we need to expand we need to get some some money in so we're going to spend some time focusing on that um and of course I'm going to be studying so give me a year and a half and I'll be out here as a drama therapist um, practicing I'm coming <laughs> love, love to see okay. it. thank you Abigail for coming on to teacher talk um, it's been an absolute pleasure where can our listeners find you on your socials so I am at abs maria on twitter and uproot prod that's P-R-O-D. Uproot is U-P-R-O-O-T. I should have said that the right way around, but hey. Uproot Prod um, on Twitter and Instagram. And then we're also uprootprod.co.uk um, on the internet, the World Wide Web. Yes. So come and Thank check us. To, I just have to click because that was a <laughs> very inspiring episode. Uh, 